The question is this, what is it that has some of us find our way to the top of our game, to overcome adversity and challenges, resistance and self-sabotage, to rise from the ashes time and time again? What is it that has everyday people just like you and I act boldly in the name of their passions and live out their wildest dreams in this lifetime? That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Carrie McCauley, and this is Choose Unstoppable. Hello and welcome to Choose Unstoppable. My name is Carrie McCauley and today, my friends, you're in for a treat. We're here with Taylor, Taylor White, and she's an American figurative artist whose work engages with the fundamental elements of being. Cannot wait to learn a little more about what that means. Uh, But you guys, she's exhibited internationally from Melbourne to Berlin, LA, Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, the list goes on. I'm gonna let her share about her body of work, but more importantly, I want you to hear about her journey and how art found her or she found art and has now created that uh, life for herself as a successful entrepreneur inside of the artist community. Uh, Taylor, thank you for being here and welcome. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Okay, so as I said, can you just take us like way, way back for a minute? Because I'm always interested in how people find their path, especially something like art, especially something like art to be able to financially support yourself to become an artist. How did that look for you kind of early, early days? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those that will say I've been doing it my entire life, like art art found me I didn't find it you know um so I started exhibiting signs of being interested in you know or gifted at drawing and things like that when I was probably two and a half three years old and so I had that's like you know I spent a lot of my free time (laughs) free time when I'm three um (laughs) I spent all my time uh draw like drawing at the kitchen table on like printer paper that my dad would bring home from work and I used to just like talk to myself and, and draw pictures of whatever I was thinking of usually the land before time dinosaurs and or yeah. characters like that or whatever so like um that was my my you know my parents took notice obviously and then did whatever they could to support and, and nurture that and so like you know my mom never never believed in coloring books so like they would just bring home printer paper and then I would just sit there and draw all day. Um, it was easy to, easy to keep me occupied. So, um, so then were you, was it destined then? Like you were the kind of kid that was like, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. Was that something that was a thing in your house to choose as a life path? I mean, yeah, like I, I don't remember volunteering that I was going to be an artist. I just remember everybody saying don't forget me when you're a famous artist and I thought like okay I guess that's what I'm gonna do you know it's not like it was like it was implanted in me before the idea of a career was even a thing you know so it's just like you know I'll worry about worrying about making a living as an artist came much later so like early on early early on it was just like oh you're just you're the artist like you know oh there's Taylor the artist like aren't you so talented like all of that and of course as a child like and I you know I would consider myself like have having been a little socially maladjusted as a kid like on the spectrum of sorts you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so like 
finding, you know, I had difficulty in most other areas of, of social interaction and everything, but I was, I knew that I had my, like, I was a good artist and I could always just whip that card out of my pocket whenever I wanted people to like pay attention to me and give me like positive praise. So, um, so that's how I kind of like got through. It was just like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm the one that's really good at art, you know? So then you've got kind of this, you know, ingrained youthful talent and then as you start thinking about you know we all come of the age where it's like well what are you going to do when you leave school or you know what do you you know how how did you first decide well I think this is going to be how I support myself like I think this is the path and the choice I'm I'm going to make because not only is it the life of an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's somewhat I mean I don't know your story so I'm interested to hear but somewhat self-motivated it's a little extra dose, takes a little extra dose of courage to go out on your own with your own work and your own, and then that being the source of your livelihood. How was that journey for you, that transition into kind of adulthood, quote unquote? Yeah, I understand. I mean, I think everybody, my, my family and I were all kind of bought into the premise that I was going to be an artist um, and would translate that into something that I would be able to earn a living doing. Um, so there was never a, like, are you going to be an artist? It was like, yes, I'm going to be an artist, but the question is how I'm going to do it, you know? So like, I mean, and in the transition was bumpy. Like I remember going through adolescence and, you know, as is typical, I had a little bit of like belligerence about it. Like, I don't want to like do art for other people. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want people to like evaluate and grade my stuff. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, when I'm going into AP art and I'm going like, it's like a nationally, it's like a national program. So there's all these standards and like, oh my gosh, I hate stand, like standards are so dumb. And like, (laughs) I don't want to have to put my portfolio together and be like, whatever. It was just like, you know, you, you, you bureaucrats and your standards, like I'm not interested in that. So, but of course, you know, you, you have to like, it's just part of the learning experience of being like, okay, eventually you're going to have to go into the world and being in the world means having to do stuff you don't want to do. So yeah. Um, and did you ever face any fears or vulnerabilities around kind of putting your heart and work out in the world, like being judged in that way? I mean, I know people obviously face that in all kinds of areas, but is that something that you personally struggled with? I think that that was a I can't say that that was like a a fear I was conscious of, but that was definitely something that I did struggle with as a person who went from being the artist as a, as a, as a being, you know, Um, so like being an artist as a, as a way of, as a, as a profession, you know, Um, so, but I think, I mean, the key to that is not identifying with it you know like if i because as soon as as soon as i think of the art as part of my soul you know um which is the romanticized kind of cliche it's like it's you like it's part of who you are i'm like well it's not really like if you take a piece of my work and burn it like i haven't been injured you know like it has nothing to do with me but that that mindset of like, it's me, it's my soul is like, that's how you get artists who, that's how you, that's how you get taken advantage of. And that's how you make yourself willing to be taken advantage of because you're like, 
just desperate to put yourself out there. So you will do things for free or you will like, you know, just not, or you'll be upset like more easily, you know? Yeah. So whenever I kind of was able to drop that way of thinking about it, it became much easier to be like, okay, this is my, this is my job. Like it is my, it is valuable and precious to me, but it's also just my art. Like, yeah. And it's my job. And it's like, just something that it's something that I can do really well. And something that like the world enjoys seeing or those who come across it enjoy seeing mostly, you know? Um, and it's, and it's like, it, it, you know, I, I, I myself am separate from I, my work. My yeah. Art, you know? and, and honestly, I think it, it, what you just shared is super relevant and relatable to any entrepreneur who's putting themselves out there, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're creating a product or a service or doing something, Mm -hmm. you really, it's, it's not you. It's okay to put stuff out there and not be afraid. It's okay if it doesn't, you know, soar to the moon right out of the gate, like all of those Mm -hmm. things, they're not, it's not a personal reflection, which I think often people can get kind of Mm -hmm. intertwined. Uh, so let's talk about your work. You, uh, in the bio, it said your work engages with the fundamental elements of being. How does that come to life? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's like, it's just one of those word soups that I think <laughs> sounds really good and, and kind, of, kind of points to what I do. And so like, I focus on the human form a lot. I focus on composition and shape and kineticism yeah I think I think so I think somehow you're capturing the emotion and the weight and the angst or whatever that that piece of art is trying to evoke you're somehow yeah I would say capturing like the id of humanity in in a way or it's it's, it's capturing it and the way I think about the world and the the questions that I am pondering from time to time always kind of come out subtly through the work without Mm -hmm. being like overt because I just never it's a cliche to be like, I don't want to tell my audience what to think about my work. So that's not what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, but it's like, I don't like being told what to think about anything. Yeah. Like having it. Be and so, so like my art is about this and like my art is about like this social cause or that thing. Like I don't resonate with that as much because I'm just kind of like, I want like my, my work to be a conversation and a question. Like the big secret is I don't know anything. So yeah. like, I'm going to sit here and be like, this is the way things are. And this is the message that I want to send in my work. It's like, these are, I, I would rather say like, these are the questions I want to ask. Yeah. And these are the questions I want people to ask. And I'll make statements. Like if I've arrived at a certain hypothesis or conclusion, I'll like make a statement about that. Like in my artist statement, for example, I'm not going to sit there and go, these are my hard and fast views. And this is what I'm trying to say with my work, you know? Yeah. I love that. Like actually just invoking other people's curiosity and questions to ask themselves that's a much better and more succinct way of saying it (laughs) you said it well don't worry or I would never have been able to to recreate it with in that way it sounds like it has really taken off one thing you had mentioned just you know as 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 we did a little pre-work before this interview is that you self is it self-published I'm, I'm clearly not in the art world but you've self-produced your own yeah. first show I think that's something really interesting to talk about because we can often wait for other people to kind of ordain us with a platform to say okay now I will say you are good enough now I will declare you as you know in in the inner circle 
but sometimes yeah. it takes being a little more scrappy than that and actually saying, well, no, I'll decide when and if my work is ready and I'm ready to kind of find that stage myself. What was that like for you? Yeah, a thousand percent. Like if you, if you're not recording video, that was just 30 seconds of me nodding <laughs> up and down. Like that's like, that's exactly right. Like, I mean, my, my whole motivation for producing the show was like, I can't, you know, I could sit around and wait as you perfectly said, like to be ordained with mm -hmm. the opportunity to show my work. And I can sit here and be like, well, until I'm, until I'm given and granted this opportunity, my work is not valuable. That's the opposite of the truth. It's just kind of like, I just have to do a show if I want to. It's just that there are things that are, that might be in the way of me doing a show, you know, things like the cost, mm -hmm. things like, do I have the work ready? Could I produce the work in that amount of time? Can I staff it? Do I have the guts to do it? Like, hmm. do I, you know, how is sale, how are sales going to, going to run? Do I think I can make back what I spent? Like that kind of thing, you know, and I had to be prepared to, to make the investment in the work and prepare that, you know, maybe I wasn't going to make that back immediately. Um, so it was just like, it was just like any other business plan, basically. It's like, yeah. this is how much it's going to cost to do it. This is how much I need to sell my work for in order to make back my, these are how many pieces I need to produce. Or if I can only produce X amount of pieces, these are the, this is the price I have to set them at. Can I sell them for that price? You know, how do I like, do I need to, to add different revenue streams in order to like, yeah, you know, cushion yeah. the, the blow as it were, you know, or, and then it's like, if I don't, if I don't make it back, can I afford to lose that money? Yeah. And so like, I looked at all of that and then I was like, how badly do I want it? You know? And it's like, am I, am I prepared to lose that? Because there's more than, there's more than monetary value in the project. So like, yeah. Be it the fact that I'm sitting here and talking to you about the show that I put on and self-produced was the value of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or the, ex the actual experience to then stand on the shoulders of whatever did or didn't go well in that. Exactly. Time. And it's like, never and get I, that without and I own nothing. all of that, you know, because I yeah. did it myself. And so like, I can sit here and talk about that experience and stuff. And so like, and I, I can, I can, I can go through the rest of my life having done it and, and being the wiser for it. So, yeah. so all of the answers to those questions, I, I worked out and then I had the opportunity. And, and then I also kind of like, seized upon an opportunity that came up that came up a little quick more quickly than I anticipated and so I also had to like I had to uh I had to work some things out in real time like I had to uh whenever I got the opportunity to rent the space that I am getting or that I did get I was not ready with the material mm -hmm. um and so I had to I had to commit to a date that was much sooner than I would have felt comfortable. But then it was like, okay, well, this sounds insane, but um, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll work out. Mm -hmm. you know? Again, I think it's just so relatable to any of us who aren't in the, in the art world or living in the entrepreneurial space of an artist, just to have to say, I'm just, it's going to work out because I'm going to make it work out. Like I have made things work out before. There is no, mm -hmm. reason. yes, it's not optimal. Yes. If I could handpick it any other way, but here's an opportunity that I don't want to let go of and I'll just figure it out. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I will figure it out because I'm saying I will figure it out. Exactly. I think and so many people and my, 
so many people, myself included, would prefer to sit around and wait till circumstances are materially yeah. perfect. Yeah. And that's just not ever the case. And so like, and I knew that I was never, if I were to wait for all the other circumstances to be right, I might not get that space. And I think sometimes so, being able to defer because things aren't perfect is actually just a way of hiding behind delaying and, and like, never oh, yeah, doing well, it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Which is easier, which, you know, I'm not here to say I've never done those kinds of things, but some external pressure is sometimes what we need in order to produce the result that we could, just because we didn't think that that was optimal doesn't mean it wasn't optimal. Turns out you put on an amazing show and it turns out it was the great amount of time, the right amount of time to produce the body of work that you produced Mm -hmm. that couldn't have been in any other time frame. So for us to determine what is this kind of perfect state I think is where we're flawed. Certainly as entrepreneurs, we're waiting for, you know, in another world, like a big enough audience or to write our book until we've done X, you know, number of things or had X number of years behind us. And all of those things are just, you know, like bullets in our head, keeping us from actually just going and doing the thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, I I think back to like all of these sort of mantras about not waiting, like not settling for good enough you know mm-hmm. and like all of that is valuable in a certain context but in, in in the world like you do have to settle for good enough sometimes because like everything you do in, in every moment that you're take like your your life is a series of moments that are opportunities to take action and anytime you take an action like that's that's good enough that's that's what's good enough for the for you mm-hmm. in that moment using the circumstances and the materials and the resources that you have like mm-hmm you can take a bunch of good enough actions and build on those actions over time, or you can like wait until things are good enough. And then you look back and, and you just have nothing behind you, you know? I love the idea that just acting in absence of good enough is your great, like mm -hmm. actually is your version of pulling the best of yourself out when you still fulfill and act inside of circumstances that aren't perfect exactly would actually be better i mean now i'm going to now make the argument that it is better to act in absence of perfect everything because everything first of all sure we'd be waiting forever or that never comes or it doesn't pull the best out of you the greatest out of you the 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 fighter out of you it's just kind of this complacent cloud where you kind of get to do what you do as opposed to grow and push and stretch and maybe there that's where great lives Exactly. And then you're like, if you're in that space, then you are beholden to circumstance hundred percent of the time and you're not in control and you're not willing to put yourself at issue. Yeah. And like, that's not a life that I want to live. Yeah. So it's like being in an imperfect situation and, and being like, I'm going to let this, like this situation is going to pull the best out of me and I'm going to pull the best out of it. And then we're going to yeah. create something together. Like me and me and the, the universe are going to create something yeah. together. It's going to be something that's greater than what was there before, which was nothing. And life is just one connected, consistent string of imperfect circumstances. Mm -hmm. That is life. There is Mm -hmm. no other way to describe it, really. If I'm to look at my life and the lives of those that I know, it's just one perfect, imperfect circumstance after another. And you just do with it what you've got. Right. My favorite thing, one of my favorite facts is that the word utopia, like people think it means like the perfect place, but it actually means no place. Is that right? Yeah. Like it doesn't, like it no doesn't exist. Thing. It means like no, there's no such thing land. as, as yeah. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Who so. knew? Okay. So I want to talk about your latest exhibit mm-hmm. and it's 
uh, I know, I can't remember the name of it, but it was around the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit or, of happiness is the, yeah. is the title. And oh, I, great. I did remember. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. I picked it because I mean, on the one hand, it, it kind of just floated into my mind and stuck there. And I thought like, that's, that was a good, good title to bookmark in case I come up with a better one. But then mm -hmm. that just like the more I created the work and was thinking about the, you know, circumstances of the world and where we were at coming out of 2020 and everything. That's just like, it's, it's so simple and on people's minds, on people's minds. And, uh, and you know, I would say, I would almost also say like what's ailing every, us, you know? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. funny. I've been thinking about happiness a lot recently, and I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. I think a lot of people have been thinking about happiness. What is the source of happiness? And, uh -huh. you know, I think we're all chasing this elusive happiness, but what is it that we're mm -hmm. facing? Like, do we even know what happiness would look like if we found it? Do we know what we would do if we found it? Do we know, like, you know, what constitutes what it, like, I think it's a word that we're now kind of throwing around to be like, I just want to be happy or I just want you to be happy. But what even, what does that even mean anymore? Like, exactly. it's like that. people don't, people don't, we have, I think, a misunderstanding of it as a state of mind, attainability. It's like we yeah. think that there's, it's this, it's this thing to be attained. And once you attain it, it's fixed. And like, you know, we, we live in a world now where like we are first reevaluating the things that, that make us feel satisfied. And, and in, in our dissatisfaction or throwing or casting aspersions and blame on all the things that we perceive are making us unhappy. Mm -hmm. So we're externalizing it, first of all, mm -hmm. thinking it, it's somewhere out there. And if all of these circumstances were perfect, like then we would have happiness mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, we're, we're seeing happiness as like this attainable constant and anything that falls short of that is viewed as like a, a violation of our natural right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have a right to be happy. It's like, well, you don't have a right to be happy. You have a right to pursue happiness. Yeah. Like that's what, that's how it's like the, the thing, the freedom to do as you ought to live in a way that has you be at peace. Yeah. Like, how do you capture and embody that, um, and bring it to life like what what did you do in this exhibit that embodies that embodies the, the, the title the pursuit of happiness yeah um i i think like you know i i kind of like visually and speaking and motif wise like i i kind of kept on course with what i have been exploring which is like the human form in various states and i use the mm -hmm. the the flattened compositions and the like collage of shapes and colors as a visual metaphor for like the noise that, of the world that we live in and that we're mm -hmm. trying to mine through in order to find the answers that we're looking for cool. so um so like unidentifiable human forms like you know, faceless um as we as we find ourselves in the world yeah. um and as we you know through all of our social media and tiktok accounts and influencer status like we're trying to give a face to ourselves um and and then like kind of shapes colors flickers of imagery that that kind of go across and, and cut through the the human form that obfuscates the identity of the person um so that's the the, the, the conceptual notion of it and then yeah. on the technical side it's just like i really enjoy juxtaposing i don't like the word i think it's cliche but yeah, juxtaposing yeah. um the flow like the 
the technique required to make my human forms the way I paint them, like with this, these brushstrokes that are layered and everything. And that's like a really flowy thing. And then the, the, the rest of it is uh, like the background and the design elements are all very stark and like flat and textured. And that's fun to create from a technical standpoint because it's like, how do I build this? Like, how do I look at this image? I create a design in Photoshop and like, how do I, I'll peel it apart mentally so that I know like I'm like I, I need to put this down first and then that and then I need to mask this and then do that thing mm -hmm, yeah. so like that's a puzzle like putting a puzzle piece together and then it's like how do I can I can I recreate this texture that I really enjoy like how it's like a bro you, you look at something and you break it apart in your mind and then put the pieces back together this way so that it's like I need to spray like I need to use a spray can but I need to use this cap and I need to do it like you know all of that stuff yeah. so it's, that's where that's where I like find my happiness it's not really in the lofty claims about the work it's like yeah in the the mechanical nature of breaking apart an image and putting it back together again by my own hand so that was a, a like a, a beautiful mind moment right there yeah. my brain would not see i am very clear what your brain would see looking at uh a, you know a piece of art my brain wouldn't pull it apart in that same right. way so it was uh thank you for letting us inside your head for just a wee moment there so uh we've spoken a lot about your work it sounds incredible how do we learn more about it how do we go look at it how do we come see you are you is this exhibit still going on what's what's going on with that yeah the, the exhibit is on until august 28th in okay. raleigh um, and it's an in-person exhibit um after august 28th i'm going to take the work down and whatever hasn't been sold it's going to become available online for sale and then all obviously all the images are going to be visible online too so you can see the work online my instagram account i'm i post things every day or every couple of days um, my Instagram account is Taylurk, T-A-Y-L-U-R-K. And my website is taylorwhite.art. So that is the, that's where you can go to see it for now. Uh, that sounds incredible. I cannot uh, wait. Um, and you said it's on till the 28th? The 28th of August, yeah. Okay, great. That's so, a Saturday, I believe. Okay, awesome. And you're in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. said Raleigh, but North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. And so, like, if you are in Raleigh and want to come see it, or even if you're near Raleigh, want to come yeah. see it, the, the date and location, uh, the hours and location are on my website. Okay. Awesome. So, for everyone listening in, I will make sure all of this information goes into the show notes. Um, but Taylor, thanks for this time. I feel like I could talk to you for days. <laughs> for yeah, I had a great time. Like, it was really great. I am grateful for you kind of sharing what it's like to walk that path and what it is, but still like you're just you. I can tell you're you wherever you go. I can tell you're you in your art, in an interview or at the dinner table. And I so, so appreciate that. So thanks for coming and sharing yourself and your work with us. Um, I know there's a lot that as an entrepreneur for myself, I can take away from what it takes to become you and to produce your work. And I know yeah, others will as well. So I appreciate it. Okay, so for everyone, we're wrapping it up. Uh, thanks as always for listening in. We will see you next week. And until then, my friends, choose Unstoppable. 
Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to me if you enjoyed the content to please leave a review and a rating and subscribe to the show. It'll help others find us so that we can spread this important message. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, choose unstoppable.